to the Food Magic Podcast. Join me on a journey to uncover the secret recipe to food and beverage industry success. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Magic Podcast. I am so stoked to introduce two of my lovely friends and fellow female founders, Amy and Shelby Zeitelman, co-founders of Sum Foods. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, FYI, we have one sister missing in the mix right now, but she's also lovely, and this family has just done so many amazing things for the food industry. So I'll let you guys take it away. Please share a little bit about your company, the starts of it, and the products that you guys sell. Great. So just for some context, this is Amy speaking. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> say that we sound a lot alike. Um, so you can distinguish as you as you need uh, during the conversation. But to your point, the sister that's missing of the mix is Jackie. She lives in Israel, and she is married to Omri, a really amazing guy who's been in the tahini industry in Israel for about 15 years. And when we met Omri, um, we met Omri actually back in 2011, and Omri introduced us to high-quality tahini made from a very special sesame seed from Ethiopia. We realized that there wasn't tahini like that available here in the States, and mostly that Americans were not familiar with tahini, the health benefits and the versatility of the product, and so we set out to make tahini a more popular ingredient in the American market. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite recipe or treat that you've made with tahini? I'm really simple. Um, I have two young kids. I barely find the time to cook um, these <laughs> days. Um, so I like um, just making smoothies with tahini. Mm -hmm. I like using it in um, like noodle recipes, like a sesame noodle instead of a peanut Ooh. noodle. So just very simple applications. Um, to be honest, I don't make that much of my own hummus. Uh, because I just don't. Um, but, you know, sauces and dressings with tahini provide flavor to any dish, you know. And um, so I just, you know, pull out the jar. Often we'll just drizzle it on roasted vegetables, and for Ooh. me that's enough, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do with it that I share often is drizzling it on yogurt or oatmeal in, my, in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, it adds such a nice nuttiness. It leaves me really full and satisfied. Um, but I think the trick or the thing that we really love about tahini is that you can add a little bit to something else and it elevates it, it makes it healthier. You know, it really just has that little magic touch. So I sometimes mix a couple tablespoons in with a pre-made teriyaki sauce or something like that just to kind of boost it up, you know, um, and keep it easy at home. That's awesome. So just a quick little moment. Where can people buy the tahini? And we'll definitely put a link in there for them. Thanks. <laughs> well, you can always buy tahini on sumfoods.com. That's mm -hmm. S as in Sam, O-O-M as in mom. <laughs> foods, plural. Um, and we're also available in a lot of mid-Atlantic stores, um, Whole Foods, Moms, and a plethora of um, smaller independent markets and chains um, like the co-ops, Green Isle Grocery, River Wards Produce here in Philadelphia if the listeners are local. Um, so yeah, we've had a really great network of people that have supported us even from the very early stages. Yeah, on our website, there's a full retailer locator if, <laughs> if folks want to check it out. And then also, we are available on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. But preferably buy from sumfoods.com. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, so could you ladies talk a little bit about production? Now, you're taking ingredients overseas, and are you packaging it 
overseas? Are you packing in America? What's going on? And also, do you sell internationally or do you just source ingredients internationally? Um, so 95% of our production is done abroad in Israel. Um, when we were starting the company, we were really interested in the whole production aspect yeah. of food. And I think still there's something very alluring about um, the opportunity to have control over your own production, um, both in terms of you know, the final product and then also for us, like the job opportunities that you could create um, by, by that aspect of the business. But what we found is we really love selling and marketing <laughs> the product. And um, two, in Israel, there are some of the best tahini manufacturers in the world that are already doing it well. Right. So when we were evaluating how much money it was going to cost and how much time it was going to take to get that up and running, we ran the cost-benefit analysis and we decided to work with excellent contracted manufacturers to produce the product for us. Um, we are, though, in very close touch with our manufacturers, mm -hmm. and our brother-in-law, Omri, has since moved up or down the chain um, into sesame um, importing from Ethiopia wow. to Israel. So we have a link there um, as well um, and an insight into the supply chain so we know, you know where the seeds are coming from and who's, who's touching you know, the, the, the product <laughs> there. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think end customers go to the store, they see it packaged and bottled, and they're like, this is great. But sometimes you don't think about all of the different tricky parts. And actually, I know that um, you talked a bit about, at, in our last meeting, about packaging. Can you talk about packaging for a moment and some of the challenges that you guys have seen there and any tips that you might have for people listening? <laughs> sure. I mean, um, to Shelby's point about outsourcing manufacturing, it also means that you defer some of the decisions, you know, as, you know, in, in terms of what packaging is available at the manufacturing facility. Um, so that has led us to relatively standard packaging options. Um, I remember with our, our first run of tahini, our jars were in this very ugly white jar. We had no experience in creating labels, and we really just came <laughs> out with whatever was good enough you know, to explain that this was tahini, and our company was named Sum Foods, and not much design <laughs> but beyond that. And from there, we, um, A, have really taken um, a liking to um, understanding the opportunities in packaging, um, the interests of consumers, and what they're looking for in their packaging. Sure. But it's still um, a point of contention and challenges for us. Sometimes our packages leak in shipping, and that's really frustrating. Um, yes. Sometimes people we want glass instead of the plastic, and that's an ongoing conversation. Packaging sizes. Um, and any subtle change in packaging is not just a change to the package. You have to consider all of the different um, facets of the business that that affects. So right. for instance, you change the even the height of your bottle in the slightest way. All your boxes you, need to Yeah, be. you got to consider your boxes. <laughs> exactly. Or width. Or, you know, so we've learned because we've messed up a couple of times to really think through the entire series of events that has to take place around packaging. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, we're only you know six years old. I can only imagine a company that's been around for 50 plus whatever years that's making that type of change and all of the things that they need to consider in order to make that happen. Meaning we should be able to be more flexible in, the, in, right. in that type of um, decision. But it still takes a lot. It does. In theory, we might be more flexible because it's earlier on, but at the same time, it's very expensive. 
and yep. we don't have the same amount of disposable income that a 50-year-old company might have, have presumably right. so yeah we also don't have as much on the line which is you That's know perhaps true. a positive thing but yeah i like the optimism always yes, always um, so what did you guys study or what was what were your careers before you dove into this and also can we talk about like the family dynamics it's so impressive to be in business in general and also you guys our family and friends and business partners all at the same time. Yeah, something like that. No, really. <laughs> it's been amazing um, how well we've all worked together. There are a couple of jokes in terms of the, um, the personalities of us as sisters. The first mm -hmm. one goes that the reason why we even decided to start Zoom Foods was because Shelby had a business degree, Jackie married a sesame expert, and I just needed a job. So <laughs> I was a senior in college studying communication, um, interpersonal communication at that, you know, not even real mass or media communication, which I thought would give me no skills for starting a business, but surprisingly enough, um, has been so valuable to my, to my um, journey as an entrepreneur. And Shelby, having studied business in college, um, you know, is the one that really guided us along the first couple years of Zoom Foods with our strategy and some business acumen and finance and things like that. Um, the other things that we really say about us as sisters is Shelby's the brains, um, Jackie's the heart, and I'm the voice. And so it's mm -hmm. funny, but as sisters, we look alike, uh, we sound alike, but we have very different um, competencies, very different interests, and very different skills. So um, that's really helped us in, you know, I guess, um, dispersing the responsibilities of the business. I'll also add, Mrs. Shelby, because we sound alike, um, <laughs> that uh, we came from a family of entrepreneurs and business owners. And so while it was never intentional for us to set out to create this business together, it was familiar, you mm -hmm. know, that business and family can go together. And yeah. so um, uh, that, I think, has helped guide us in terms of, you know, the communication around business. Uh, setting boundaries around business. It can be really hard sometimes when we're right. at a family event and everyone just wants to know like what's going on with Zoom Foods and how we defer the con you know the conversation and right. find other uh, talking points. But they're <laughs> always intermixed. You know, in the office we are talking about our kids or what we you know the date night the rare date night we got with our husbands <laughs> um, and the other way around. You know, at the family barbecue we're talking about we're talking about Zoom Foods. And I would imagine for all entrepreneurs, whether their spouses are their partners or their siblings are their partners, there aren't many entrepreneurs that can separate their business from their lives. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I can't imagine that you're going home and not talking about Snackadabra. It's impossible. So everybody's, you know, <laughs> on board with an with any kind of an entrepreneurial journey. So um, it's a little heightened with us, but no, everything's knock on wood, been going pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah. So you brought up parenthood. It's, it's the big question, right? I think a lot of female entrepreneurs, you know, I'm not married or engaged, so that's still ahead for me, but a lot of female entrepreneurs are really worried about that piece because how do you go out and raise money when people are scared that you might be having a baby soon? Or, I mean, you guys have multiple partners, so that helps, but how do you balance that? And work-life integration, or what, what is the good mix? I'll defer to the mom of the group. Um, so for me, I this is Shelby. I... I don't know if there is a balance between work and life um, and, and family and raising a family. Um, I like to use the analogy that business and family is a marathon and not a sprint, and I try to keep the perspective um, 
on a larger level and not just on a daily level. Some days I'm going to be at the office, you know, for more hours than I would like, or I have an event after work and I'm not home for kids' bath and bedtime. Other weeks, family takes precedence. And so if I'm able to look at either of those things over a longer period of time, um, it just gives me the perspective that both are doing great and I don't, you know, hold myself so um, account, not accountable. I, I'm not as hard on myself. If right. in any given moment, one thing doesn't feel like it's going as well as it should. Yeah, and I think our mom made set a really great example for us. She was an entrepreneur, had her own business, very successful, and um, she didn't retire. She decided to retire when I was 12, so Jackie was 13, Shelby was 16, and looking back, I you know I decided to more recently when I started having uh, had a kid, um, you know how did you make that decision? And she said, you know I felt like I was a better parent for you, or that you girls needed me more as you got older. And I think it's just recognizing. Um, where your strengths are as a mother. Um, for instance, I can admit that I didn't love the infant stage and um, no different than entrepreneurship, right? Where you find something that you may, maybe aren't good at or don't like as much, you find somebody else to do it. Uh, that's what you can do also when you have a kid. So <laughs> had a great nanny for Henry, um, my son, and now he's in a great preschool. And um, you know, you just have to make decisions off of your strengths and um, what you think is best for your child and family. Definitely. And I like to think of, of my business and your business as a baby. So you guys all have multiple. Lots <laughs> of babies. Yes. Lots yes. of babies. Lots to balance. But um, I actually had a friend tell me many years ago, think of your business as a baby and the people that you bring on as babysitters. Your child is going to take on the attributes of the people that take care of it. So if you bring in honest, incredible employees, those are the types of characteristics that will look yeah. into the business. That's a really great point. I mean, our team, um, we're not exactly micromanagers in terms of our approach to having a team anyway, but they are so independent, so accountable, really able you know, to step up um, in the event that one of us is out, whether because a kid is sick or, for instance, for maternity leaves. Um, it was an eye-opening experience when you have to leave your company for the first time. For me, it was after five years that I finally stepped away to have you know, Henry, and I realized, like, wow, it can survive without me. You know, know what I mean um, and when we we stepped up when Shelby had to take maternity leave along with Jackie and it just um, Olivia our sales um, account manager is expecting her first child in November and it's something that we really celebrate at Zoom Foods because uh, we love family and you know business is business and family is awesome yeah it's one of our guiding values out of five is family given that we are a family but we <laughs> want our team to feel like family and mm -hmm. for you know anyone that interacts with us to feel like they're a part of the extended family. I love that. Would you mind sharing the other four? We love core values here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have um, discovery. Connectivity. Transparency. Philanthropy. And then the family value. Beautiful. They, even, they flow even the way that they sound. And wh when did you implement those core values? We implemented those maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. So it was a solid three years into the business. It had a lot of input from our um, Zoom crew or team members, and it's been so helpful. We actually have them hanging on our wall, and there are times when maybe a team member will come in and say, how should I say something to someone? And I said, just be honest, just be transparent. You know, It's one of our values, and it, it really helps, I think, um, making decisions become easier by just knowing like 
these are our values. You can't really lie. You can't really, you know, yeah. hide it. Uh, you just stick to them. We introduced core values about a year and a half ago, and it has changed the way that we hire people, the way that we train, even the customers that we have. It's, it's really crazy. I like to think of it as magic. <laughs> but it, it, it's just easier to make decisions when you have a list that you can choose from. You know exactly how, what you need to base everything on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to ask our favorite question, which is, what was your food magic moment? Um, I'm not sure mine is exactly a moment, but it's a, a, a food from my, our childhood, which was a sour cream donut at Montgomery Donuts, which was a very small donut shop in Rockville, Maryland. Our dad's an avid biker, and to get us to get into biking, it was like <laughs> less than a mile from our house, but he would convince us, if you get on your bike and ride to Montgomery Donuts, you know, you can get your favorite donuts. So um, it just, um, our dad always instilled in us this um, idea of you have to work, you know, for what you want, um, mm -hmm. a value of exercise, of getting outside, of experiences around food, you know? Um, and so yeah. that's something that I've really taken with me and is so important as we started this food business is realizing, um, you know, food, is based on experiences. It, it brings family together. It brings people together. It's uh, it's a special thing to be able to provide food for people to then have those experiences with others. I'm like struggling to think of one. I'm like, is it a product? Is it a person? Is it an experience? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about that transition after college into you know quote-unquote adulthood right when I'm living <laughs> hashtag adulthood <laughs> whatever that means I still feel like a kid most days I have children um where I was living in a group house with four other people and two of the women who I lived with loved cooking and mm -hmm. were really excellent cooks and we as a house bought into a farm share and we were hosting wow. dinners and coordinating potlucks and it was like really that first lens into taking more control over my my cooking and the to Amy's point like the interplay between cooking and experiences and relationships with with other people because mm -hmm. um, until then like I, I could cook right like I could make chicken and basic <laughs> dishes or whatever but I didn't have such a deep appreciation for like looking up recipes and sure. where my salad greens were coming from, you know, so that was, I think, a pivotal moment um, for me, a magical moment. A magical moment, that's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> um, so are there any tips that you would have for our listeners? I mean, you guys have done an incredible, incredible job, and I know not only have you brought tahini to the market, but we'd be happy to talk a little bit about Ceylon. I had the opportunity to taste it, and it's amazing on yogurt. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Ceylon is our newest product. Um, it is another popular ingredient in Middle Eastern um, cuisine. It's made from 100% steamed dates and is a great alternative sweetener to honey, agave, or maple syrup. It has a lower glycemic index, that really rich, warm um, date flavor, and is an exciting, also versatile ingredient. Um, I think what's really helped us in this product expansion are the core values of tahini, which is delicious, nutritious, and versatile. And Ceylon really you know, lives up to those values as well. Um, and it might be a direction where um, it could help us guide our product expansion in the future. Um, although the future of Sum Foods still has a lot to be determined. Um, <laughs> it's something we're working on. 
for now, planning for 2020 and 2021 and five, ten years from now, you know how it is. It never ends the planning. <laughs> um, and in terms of tips, right, you asked for, yeah. for tips. Um, for, for me, I've learned the most by asking questions and just sitting back and listening and learning from as many people as possible. When we started the business, we had no prior experience in the food industry, and so it worked, I think, to our favor because we didn't know what we didn't know, and we didn't know that we had to play by any particular set of rules. <laughs> um, so that I think definitely um, helped us um, as we were as we were beginning the company. But I always find that um, getting out of the office, networking, speaking with people, whether it's in the industry or outside of, brings diverse you know experiences and perspectives, um, and just listening more, not always feeling like you need to have the answer. Um, I think is just an important, you know, habit in general. Um, <laughs> sorry. So fine. We can well, edit it. Well, yeah, we'll edit it. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. I do, I'm going to say that you have to go, but we'll wrap it up. Or we can we can kind of wrap it up. That's sure. Up you guys. Are you okay on time? You yeah, let's wrap it also? up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you so much for your time and energy. Do you have maybe a parting quote or a book recommendation for the people tuning in today? Um, one of my favorite books and is an um, extension of that interpersonal communication degree that I, I shared earlier on in our conversation is called Presence by Amy Cuddy. It's all about what it means to be present and what it means to have presence. And I think it's really valuable when you're in um, circumstances that might feel over your head to remember to um, just be in the moment. Don't think about what will happen. Don't think about what just happened. And it really helps you execute and articulate these opportunities um, and take advantage of even stressful situations. So Presence by Amy Cuddy. We'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> And I was actually asked this question this past weekend, uh, my favorite quote or best piece of advice or whatever, and it was actually my high school yearbook quote, although I misquoted it. <laughs> um, it's Wayne Gretzky, a hockey player. I have no idea who he played for, but whatever. Uh, he was a hockey player. And um, the quote is, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Um, so just you know, harnessing that, um, that energy of pursuing opportunities and not being afraid of what might happen in that moment of taking a risk. Yeah. Um, because you never know what, what, what will welcome you on the other side. And that speaks to the people on the fence. If you want to dive in, dive in. It's not an easy business by any means. We all roll up our sleeves and hustle really, really hard. Um, but I would say the three of us really believe that it's it's amazing, right? Like the experience of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur-esque, whatever mm -hmm. we are, <laughs> has been incredible. Ladies, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Is there a good way for people to reach out if they want to connect to you, maybe on LinkedIn or through your website and email? Yeah, all our emails are available on our website. So when you go to sumfoods.com, you can click on the team. Our pictures are there. You can email us directly. Um, we are on LinkedIn, although don't use it very much. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Love connecting with people. 
Um, and thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you for sharing your story. Thanks, Michelle. Looks like we're all out of time for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to discover the secret recipe to food and beverage industry success. Make sure to tune into next week's episode. And in the meantime, spread the love. Check us out on Instagram or our website, Food Magic Podcast. Mwah!